Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. Several years ago, I was a worship pastor, so I did what Kevin did. And uh, when I was a worship pastor, I played guitar, and I led, and I had, you know, the full band and the whole nine yards. And there was a guitar player I had on my band. And like clockwork, every time I had him on the schedule, he would come out after every service, and he'd be like, hey, Chris, can I talk to you? I'm like, yeah, what's up, man? He's like, yeah, I was just... I was talking to people today, and they just, they said they couldn't hear my guitar. And I just, we really need to get my guitar turned up. And I'm like, oh, okay, buddy, we'll, we'll take care of that. The next time he played, he'd be rocking out, and he was always doing these blues solos. And then after service, he'd be like, hey, Chris, can I talk to you? Yeah, what's up, man? Uh, man, I was talking to my wife, and she just couldn't hear my guitar. I really think we need to get my guitar turned up. Now, here's the thing. You guys may not know this, but like our sound engineers back at the board, they're mixing all the sounds. Everything that happens on the stage basically funnels through a cable to our soundboard, and they make sure that it comes out through the speakers in the best way possible. And mixing sound, mixing music especially, it is an art form. I mean, getting the perfect balance of dozens of instruments and vocalists and trying to get everything mixed to the level where everyone can hear it and it sounds good, it is literally an art to make that happen. But you know what everyone on the stage thinks they need? What do you think the guitar player thinks they need more of? More guitar. The singers on stage, boy, we really need to get more vocals out there. The bass player, when he's rocking out the bass, he's thinking, well, he's not really thinking more bass. He's just thinking C, C, F, F, G. (laughs) Bass player jokes. I'm sorry, bass players. What does the cowbell player want more of? More cowbell. Like, it doesn't matter who's up here. Every single person on this, there is not a soul that will ever be on the stage playing music thinking to themselves, boy, I wish they would just turn me down out there. I just don't want people to hear how awesome I am. It will never happen. Even you sitting in the crowd, I promise you, I don't want you to raise your hands because I don't want to know because it'll mess with my mind. But you guys are sitting out there going, you know what? I really wish they had more of this up there. They really need to turn up Cameron's mic. You can turn up Cameron's mic. She's my daughter. I'm okay with that one. But... (laughs) But that's how it is. So my daughter Cameron, again, she's in, in school choirs, and she's in this jazz choir. And every time the jazz choir sings, they all line up, and they all get microphones from the front row. All the other choirs just sing out, but the jazz choir gets up, and they get their microphones. And they, every single person, 20 kids up here singing in a microphone. And without fail, every time the jazz choir sings at a concert, there are three girls on the end whose mics are at 10, and everyone else is at zero. And so you got chestnuts roasting on an open fire, whatever the harmony is for the jazz song they sing, and everyone else is just... <laughs> and all the, man, all the parents of the kids are just out there going, oh, this is unbelievable, I cannot believe this. Turn my kid up! But mixing is an art. There's a balance to it. Trying to get things right can be challenging. And, and the thing is, the reason every guitar player thinks they need more guitar is because they do. But the reason my guitar player, just so you know, the reason my guitar player couldn't hear himself or people couldn't hear him in the crowd is because I told our sound guy to turn him down and turn my guitar up. Because <laughs> we really did need more of my guitar. <laughs> so we're in a message series called 21 Days of Prayer. We're also in just a kind of a, this everyone all in together campaign of 21 days of prayer where we're taking 21 days to just seek God out together. There's a prayer guide where we can, we can, we're seeking God on the same things, all kind of unified, moving in the same direction. If you haven't started that or maybe you didn't know about it, I strongly encourage you to go to our website, compassbn.com forward slash prayer, and just go download the guide and hop in now. Okay, it's day seven. You can download it. They start on day seven and join into this with us. I've had so many people come up to me and talk to me about how this whole thing is just rocking their world, which is just incredible, and I'm so thrilled that that's how it's going. But the thing is, I know that in this 21 days of prayer, there are some people who are having a little bit of a hard time. 
And, and you may be having a hard time with 21 days of prayer because prayer isn't really a habit for you. Maybe you're starting out and it's, it's new. And so you, you just don't really know the ropes and it just feels weird and you're not sure how long you're supposed to take and you're not sure what all you're supposed to say. And it just hasn't like, you know, really clicked in. Some of you guys are struggling with it because maybe you have prayed for things in the past and, and they didn't happen. Maybe, maybe this 21 days of prayer thing is tough for you because you have been discouraged by prayer because you tried it before and it didn't work. Maybe there's a time in your life where you're like, God, I need more cowbell in my life and the cowbell never got turned up. You know, maybe there was a healing that you were asking for for yourself or for someone you love and it didn't happen. Maybe it, you, you prayed for God to move in your marriage because it was struggling. You're struggling with your husband or your wife or your teenage kid is going off the rails and you just ask God, God, I need you to do something in this. I need you to move, but it just didn't feel like anything happened and, and, and it's discouraged you on prayer. A job opportunity that you were really asking God to make happen, but it passed you by and, and so now you're here and you're like, well, yeah, I want to pray and sure, but like, I've tried praying before in the past, and God didn't do what I asked for him, and I asked for more guitar in my mix, and I asked for more cowbell in my mix, and God didn't give me those things in my mix, and now it's just I'm not really sure that, that if I can trust a God who I asked him to do these things for me, and it never happened. So what is the deal with prayer? I mean, what is the deal with prayer when it, when it doesn't work? What happens when I ask God for something, and he doesn't do what I ask him for? What, what is up with that? And I think for us, there's Another series of questions that we really need to ask if we're going to get to the root of that, and that is, how did Jesus pray? And why, why was it that when Jesus prayed for things, they happened for him, but when I pray for things, they don't always happen for me? And so I want to take us to some teaching that Jesus did on prayer. In fact, it's kind of handy, really, because Jesus' disciples followed him around, and he was teaching them and guiding them. He's trying to develop them into be spiritual leaders like he was. And uh, one day the disciples just literally went up to Jesus, and they're like, dude, will you teach us to pray like you pray? Because I see him going around, he's healing people, and he's doing all these miracles, and he's so wise, and he's so smart. And they're like, I want to be like that dude. You know, I want to, I want to do that. So how do you pray, Jesus? Why is it that you get what you want when you pray, but when we pray for something, we don't get what we want? Just teach us to do what you do so that it works for us. And in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus does this. He teaches the disciples how to pray, and he says this. This then, <clears throat> this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, this is very familiar, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Super familiar passage. You probably could have quoted it along with me even as I was saying it, right? Everybody's heard that bunches and bunches and bunches of times. But it's interesting. I think when you take a step back and look at it, there's a little bit of a twist in there that I think is, is I mean, it's interesting. Because you, you hear something so long, you just get familiarized with it, sometimes you can miss some of the nuance. And there's something in this, this teaching that Jesus gave his disciples about prayer that I think pops out. Here you see Jesus teaching his disciples, and as Jesus is teaching the Lord's Prayer, you see, you see him asking God to do a lot of things, but you really don't see Jesus asking God for a lot of things. There's really not a lot in there where Jesus is like, God, I pray that you would, you would give me this. I pray that you would provide this for me. I pray that you would do this for me. I mean, there's the part in there where he talks about, you know, give us our daily bread. But even then, daily bread is like a bare minimum. 
I mean, if I'm praying for God to provide for me, I'm like, God, give me my daily sushi. You know, give me my daily Brazilian steakhouse so dudes come out with meat on a sword and I can just chop off whatever I want and eat as much as I want. I'm, that's, that's what I want to pray for. But Jesus is like, no, just pray for literally the bare minimum that you need to survive. It's like Oliver Twist. You know, can I have some more grill, please? You know, it's, I, come on, daily bread? So when you look at this, I mean, that really is the most that, that Jesus is, is asking for ourselves. And I think when you look at the Lord's Prayer, when you look at how Jesus prays, because he's, he's showing them, this is how I pray, and Jesus told his disciples, his followers, how to pray, I think that you can see something that, that kind of pops out, because written into every line of the Lord's Prayer is a posture of submission. In every line of there, there's this attitude of surrender, submission to God. God, your kingdom come. Yours, not mine. God, your will be done. Your will, not mine. God, lead us not into temptation. You don't want us to sin. You want us to live good lives. Lead us to where you want us to go. Do this in our, God, I pray that you would forgive me. You, want, you don't want me to be struggling and dealing with my sin. Forgive me, even as I forgive those. It's your will that I forgive people in my lives. God, it's, it's this posture and attitude of God, whatever it is that you want in my life, I pray that that's what you would give to me. Even the daily bread thing, right? Because when Jesus says, give us our daily bread, daily bread is not like a request for something big and great that we want. The petition for daily bread, it really is less about the want of the asker, and it's really defined by the giver. Give me what you think I need today to thrive and survive. You see, Jesus taught his disciples that prayer and that, the, that prayer is not for the purpose of getting what we want. Prayer is not for the purpose of asking God to help us, but prayer is for the purpose, get this, prayer is for the purpose of getting us in line with what God wants. Let me say that again. Prayer is not for the purpose of getting what we want. Prayer is for the purpose of getting us in line with what God wants, with his will, with what he wants to do in our lives. Prayer's not about accomplishing our own agenda. It's not about getting the job we want, the girlfriend, the boyfriend we want. It's not about accomplishing those things. It's about shifting our hearts onto God's agenda. It's literally about, about developing ourselves a posture of submission and saying this, God, I want you to take your will and I want you to stamp it like a cookie cutter over mine and cut off all the edges of my will that do not align completely with yours. That's what Jesus taught that prayer is actually about. Now God, in his love, in his mercy, and his kindness to us, he gives us the capacity to bring our needs and our requests to him, and he will never turn us away for those things. He welcomes us to bring those things to him, because our God wants to move in the lives of his children and the people who are submitted to him. But it starts with a posture and an attitude that says, God, I am submitted to you, so this is my want, this is my need, this is my desire, but your will first. God, this is the kingdom in my life that I would like to see built up, but your kingdom first. That's the posture and the attitude prayer that Jesus taught. And here's the thing, this is, Jesus lived this out himself. I'm going to read you just a handful of passages that show this posture and attitude of submission that Jesus lived in every aspect of his life. John 5, verse 19, it says this, I tell you the truth, Jesus talking, the son can do nothing by himself. He only does what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. Jesus is saying this, I can't do anything on my own. I won't do anything on my own. The only thing that I will do is what I see the father doing and what he calls me and asks me to do. John 6, 38. 
Jesus says this, For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. That's interesting. John 14, 31 says this. Jesus saying again, But so that the world may know I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father commanded me. Every one of those passages, every one of those things, Jesus is communicating a heart, a posture of submission and surrender to God. Not his will. I do the will of my Father, not my own will. And this is what's so crazy, right? Jesus was God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one. Jesus was God. Jesus was divine, and, and he, was, he was incarnate God, a fully developed divine God in, in a fully developed body of a man on this earth. Jesus, in his divinity, could have used it to do whatever he wanted to do. And what he wanted to do, what he chose to do with his perfect divinity and his perfect humanity, was to live in perfect submission to God, in perfect submission to his Father's will. What's so amazing about this, just for us, right? Because we look at that and we're like, well, yeah, it was probably easy for Jesus to live this, this perfect life because he was God. He was divine. He had all this divine power. And that, that's missing the point because Jesus lived a livable life. That was the whole point of God becoming man, is that Jesus lived a livable life. It is a life that we could live and yet the sin, the brokenness inside of us pulls us from that. Inevitably, for each and every single one of us, it pulls us away from that. But Jesus came down, and he didn't draw from his own wellspring of divinity. You know what he did? He submitted himself in prayer to his Father. So how could Jesus he heal people? Because he submitted himself in prayer to his Father. How is it that Jesus could do all these miraculous things? Because he submitted himself. He submitted his will to his Father's will. How could Jesus be so wise and know all the right things to say? How can he even look like he knows what's going to happen, you know, in the future? How is that possible? Because Jesus submitted himself to the Father's will in prayer. He laid down his divine rights. That's what the Apostle Paul tells us. That Jesus laid down his divine rights. He laid down his divine power to become a slave, a man like us. And he lived a livable life. How? Submitted to his Father's will in prayer. And if you think that was easy, you better guess again, because check this out. Matthew 26, 39, talking about Jesus. This is right before his crucifixion. He went on a little farther and bowed with his head to the ground, praying. This is how Jesus prayed. My Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. He knew his death was imminent. He knew he was going to be arrested. He knew he was going to be nailed to a cross. He knew he was going to be beaten and shamed and people mocking and scorning and spitting on him. And he said this, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Contemplate that for a second, okay? Jesus, the Son of God, fully God and fully man, he wanted to do something that was opposed by his Father's will. Jesus did not want to die. He did not want to give himself up. He did not want to suffer. And yet, what did he do? He offered God, he said, Lord, please, if it's your will that you would take this away from me, if it's your will that you would make me not have to walk this path, make, if, if it's your will, let's find another way so that I do not have to suffer like this. Yet, at the end of it, I want your will to be done, not mine. Jesus prayed with a posture of surrender. Jesus lived a livable life. Jesus prayed prayable prayers. 
And if our prayers are thus, God, I want this. I need you to do this in my life. I'm desperate. But if it's not your will, I want your will to be done in me. God, I need you to move in my relationships. I need you to move my family. I need you to move my finance. I need you to move my health. But if it's not your will, I want your will to be done more than anything. Because at the center of Jesus' prayer life was, was his seeking the Father's purposes. It was seeking the Father's activities and the Father's heart. Jesus, he let God, he let his Father mix his life. He gave God the final mix of his life. And here's the main point today. Here's the thing that, that I want you to take away so that in your prayer life you can remember this and it can impact how you pray Prayer is allowing God to mix the music of your life. That's what prayer is. Prayer is about going into God's presence and saying, Lord, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to turn up, whatever you want to turn down, if you think the guitars in my life are too loud, bring them down. If you th I want more cowbell, Lord, but if you don't think I need more cowbell, that's okay. I trust you with the mix of my life. Lord, your will be done. Because prayer is not about what you get. Prayer is about what you are becoming. And if you want to become something more in your life, if you're looking at yourself and you're stalled and, and you're unhappy and you're discouraged and, and you just feel like you're at a place where you, there's more for you, I can tell you the fact that there is. And I would say what you need to do is you need to start praying with a heart of submission and surrender to God because prayer is not about what you get. Sure, God answers prayer. God moves. He does things in that. He allows that as part of it. But the heartbeat, the engine, the motivator of prayer is this. It's not about what you get, but it's about what you are becoming. It's about God's will being stamped on top of yours. Last year, we took our girls to go see Paramore in concert. And it was at this big outdoor amphitheater. There's thousands of people out there, massive stage up at the front. And the band came out and they started playing. And they're awesome live. I mean, they're just killer. And we are way far on the left side of the crowd, okay? Stage is in the center, and we're standing over here, whole other crowd over there, and we're just watching it. And, and I, of course, as a guitar player, I'm watching the guitar players, and I'm wanting to hear what they're doing, and I'm just like, this is awesome. And the guitar player on our side of the stage, he would shred something and be loud, and like, yeah, that's awesome. And then it would bounce over to the other guitar player on the other side of the stage, and he you couldn't hear anything. I was like, what's going on? I think there's something wrong. There's gotta be something wrong with his amp, or maybe his mic's not turned up, because I can't hear anything that guy's playing. That is so weird. Next song, same thing. Couldn't hear his guitar at all. It was so odd. And I was just like, this does not make sense. I had to understand what was going on. I just did. I mean, if it, if it happened here, I would walk to the soundboard and say, Guy, we need to, guys, we need to fix things because maybe I'm just like a perfectionist that way. So I was, I was going to go up to their sound booth. I was like, hey, guys, I think you need to fix your mix a little bit. So I'm like, I'm listening to it. And I'm like, I, like, I got to find out what's going on. So I was like, I made an excuse. I'm going to go buy a drink. I'm going to go to the bathroom. And I left. And as I was walking, I got to the center of the amphitheater, which was right behind where the soundboard was. And when I got there, I could hear everything. Now you may not know this, but when you listen to music in headphones or you listen on the radio, the way that songs are mixed to recording, they're all panned. And so lots of these multiple guitar parts, keyboard parts, vocals, they're all spread out across the stereo spectrum. So there might be one guitar that you only hear in your right ear and then another in your left, and it really creates a super cool sonic soundscape. And it's totally designed for when you're listening to music that way. It's not really the best way to mix live music, but that's what they did. They had panned the guitars, one guitar to the left and one guitar to the right. And right where the sound guy was sitting, it sounded super cool because the mix was awesome. One guy would pop from the right and it felt like it was coming from the right. One guy would play from the left and it felt like he was coming from the left. So from where he was sitting, it was probably the coolest effect that you could ever imagine having everything panned in stereo. But the thing is, if you weren't sitting dead center, 
If you're over to the right, you couldn't hear anything the guitar on the left was doing. And if you're sitting on the left, you can hear anything that the guitar player on the right was doing. What the sound guy has done, had done is he had mixed for himself, but he had completely missed out on everyone else in the crowd who he was mixing for. His perspective was all about what he wanted to hear. His perspective was all about the mix that he wanted to hear, but his perspective was not for the mix that everyone else in the crowd was hearing. His perspective really was too small for a crowd that size. And sometimes our perspective when it comes to prayer is too small. We focus only on what, what we need God to do or what, or what we want God to do, or we focus really only on the things that we want to hear in the mix of our lives. And when we do that, we miss out on this bigger eternal perspective, this eternal agenda that God has, and that this eternal agenda that he's placed us in as part of. And when we only listen for more cowbell in our lives, we miss out on what God wants to do in the lives of the people around us. We miss out on the eternal plan and purpose that God has placed in our lives and that he wants to use us for. And as a result, we're so focused on what we're hearing that we miss out on what we're becoming. And today God's saying this, I want you to shift your perspective. I want you to think, and when you pray, not just about what you want to hear, I want you to think, and when you pray about something that is so much bigger than yourself, because it's about becoming something, it's not about getting something. Prayer is not about letting God know how much we want him to make us successful. Prayer is about allowing God to show us how we can make his kingdom successful. It's not about my success. It's not about my advantage. It's about the success of the kingdom of God. And that, that's the mix that God wants to build and develop in your life. So today, what would it look like if when you prayed, you didn't approach prayer as as an expectation that God would do something in your life, but instead when you prayed, you, you approached it with the expectation that God was going to form something in your life. When you pray today or when you pray tomorrow, what if your perspective shifted? This is not about what something, something that is for me, but this is something that God is forming in me. How would that adjust and shift your perspective on prayer? What if instead of asking God for more cowbell in your life, you said, Lord, your mix be done in my life. Your mix be done in me. Prayer's not about what you get, it's about what you're becoming. And when you understand that, it can totally transform your prayer life and it can totally transform your life life because God will begin to change you and shift you in ways that you never could have possibly imagined. So I will tell you in this 21 days of prayer, lean in. If you're feeling discouraged because you don't feel like God is answering the prayers that you're laying out before him, that's okay because maybe the prayers that you're asking God for are not specifically the things he really needs to do in your life right now. But if you leaned into it and said, okay, God, here's my will. Why don't you cut off the edges of that and shape it to look like your will? If you do that, God can change you. Last question. If this is true, then why did God do all of the things that Jesus asked him to do? If this is true, why did Jesus' prayers all get answered and ours not? And the answer to that is this. Come back next week and we'll talk about it then. (laughs) But I would like you to stand with me just really quickly. I want to pray for you. And then I just want to sing this song, just in the posture of surrender and submission to God. Take me deeper because I want to know your heart, Jesus. It's about knowing your heart. Father, I worship you and I pray in your name, Jesus, that you would open up our hearts to your perfect will and to your perfect plan. And I pray, Jesus, that you would help us to walk, not in, in, 
in an attitude of seeking what we think we need and seeking what, seeking what we think we want, but an attitude and a posture of surrender that says, your will be done, your kingdom come. Lord, we love you. We pray that you do this in us, in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com. 